On today's long overdue podcast, Quintelligence will talk about Yasmani Tomas, the Cuban defectee, and whether or not the Potters can sign him, whether or not the Potters will sign anyone for that matter, Andrew Freeman in Los Angeles, and of course, the upcoming World Series. This is the October 20th edition of the Quintelligence Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another Quintelligence podcast. It has been a while. I am David Marber of Change the Padres, here with Padres Jagoff. Long-awaited episode. I've been getting emails left and right from people asking where the next episode is. Yeah, I feel like I tweeted every third day asking about where the, where, where the newest podcast is. And unfortunately, I have been extremely busy. I'm pretty sure you've been busy, too. Uh, additionally, I just still have a sour taste in my mouth from the whole Bud Seeley Plaza. I've been put off, but uh, it's it's the off season now. It's time to talk about things that are going to happen. This is the chance for us to create some positivity. And I, I wouldn't go that far, but at least talk about potentially positive things. Um, first, so let's recap the season. Uh, in my opinion, it was an unmitigated disaster this season. Uh, maybe not necessarily the worst playing Padres team of all time. I mean, they actually won one more game than, the, than they've won uh, in the last two seasons and six more than they won in Josh Burns' first season. But the team was nearly unwatchable, in my opinion. At least offensively, they were horrible. Uh, there wasn't really any positives to take in terms of player development, in my opinion. Max Fried is worse. Austin Hedges didn't progress. Um, Jed Jericho took a step back as Monty Grandal didn't have a fantastic season. Uh, and then off the field stuff was, you know, obviously horrible between Barry Coleman passing and uh, Tony Gwynn passing and, and just a whole bunch of other things that had happened over the course of the season. And now the Giants in the World Series, this has been p- potentially my least favorite Padres season of all time. Well, so on Quintelligence, I sat down and wrote, started writing a long, long uh, season recap. And uh, I, I was torn because I sat down ready to say this is the worst season ever. And for a lot of the season, it's really did seem like the worst season ever. It was at least the most painful to watch um, as a spectator. Just incredible. I mean, the Padres have been boring for a long time, but they were, they were off the charts boring. But then I sit down and I look at the record and in the end, I mean, doesn't it come down to wins and losses? I mean, we've gone through was three years straight of 76 wins. Um, even a one-game progression, like it's crazy to me that the supposed worst season ever, which pretty much every major fan I think was thinking that or is thinking that, um, and we still won one more game. And I look at the team, and like you said, I don't see any real progression. I, I mean, I guess on, on the pitching side there was some progression, but like how did how did we get here? How how did we get better? Um, I, I yeah, I, I think part of it is the Padres. You know, as, for as good as the Dodgers are and as for good as the Giants were, although the Giants didn't even win 90 games this year, and actually the, they're the first team to reach the World Series from that second wild card spot. But the rest of the division kind of sucked, and you play your division a ton. And so I think the Padres, in, in that respect, uh, might have been 
might have had a slightly favorable schedule to give them an extra win or two towards the back end of that schedule. Additionally, I, I agree. The pitching was not bad. I think Despagne was a pleasant surprise in the fifth spot. Jesse Hahn, obviously, uh, was was a bright spot for the Padres. Um, and, and then Tyson Ross pitched well for most of the season. So, And Kashner went healthy, pitched well. Right. And and the, what they got out of Houston Street and, and Joaquin Benoit at the back of the bullpen, and then towards the end, Quackenbush and Dale Thayer and, and Nick Vincent. I mean, I think the Padres, there was, there was a stat in the ALCS the other day. Uh, or it might have been the NLCS, but basically the Padres were 60 and one when leading after six innings this season, which is incredible. And when they showed the graphic, uh, I saw a bunch of tweets about people saying, "Like what?" Because when you looked at the top teams, it was like Royals, Giants. It was teams that went deep in the postseason, and then the Padres were at the very top of it. So I think when the Padres were ahead in in these boring two to one wins, they they held on. And so it's hard to pay attention to that because even as they're winning, you're still bored. But they, but they did at the end of the year win 77 games. I don't think they were a better team necessarily, but you know they for as much as we're saying it's the worst season of all time, the team didn't really actually get worse. No, in a lot of ways they, I want to say they got better. Um, positioning, I mean, from going into last season or going into the start of this season and where we are now, I don't think we're worse. I think we're better. At the very least, you've got Tyson Ross, an established pitcher, as a trade chip, maybe, which you actually wrote about yesterday. Um, I think we're getting an idea of what players are going to be here and what aren't, who, who isn't going to be here, and we've got a change in, in the baseball operations leadership. So I think that where we're sitting today is better than where we were you know, one year ago. Um, I don't think anyone really thought we were going to you know, sign anyone big in the offseason last year, and I think there's actually some hope of it this year or at least a different philosophy or, you know, something different than signing, uh, you know, a 37 year old veteran pitcher that we're going to plug into the rotation. Yeah. I'm not sure if we're closer to winning the world series though. So, I mean, part of that is the fact that another year has gone by, for example, before this year started, if someone had asked me, what's the closest year in your brain, you can imagine the Padres winning the world series. I probably would probably would have said something like 2020, and now I'm going to say 2021. Though I don't think they've gotten any closer in that respect. But I do think A.J. Preller, I mean, if I had to take a season in order to switch Josh Burns out for someone who, you know, Preller's a wild card, but he seems at least intelligent and potentially uh, willing to put his balls on the table and, and make moves to uh, make the team a World Series contender. Whereas I think Josh Burns was kind of content with the roster he had and just rolling the dice with the same roster over and over. So from that perspective, I can understand how Padres fans can think they're, you know, progressing. But uh, it's another year gone by where, you know, they're really – you can't truly say they're closer to winning the World Series after the season they put out there. Um, I mean, the team's marketing. And as you pointed out and I pointed out, Corey Brock is essentially, you know, their PR guy uh, masquerading as a journalist – he he, and along with and pretty much any time you listen to Mike D talk, I went to a face to face with him this season. Um, their entire marketing angle is that this basically in AJ we trust. You know, he's going to turn everything around. He brings a different philosophy. <clears throat> you know, all the while taking digs at Burns subtly by saying stuff like, uh, "Hey, when you see Preller, he's the guy who likes to work hard," and that's you know that's a new thing we've got here at, at Petco. Um, you know, Preller's a new GM. I'm not willing to just drop everything and say, okay, he's going to fix everything. Um, 
you know, every new GM get, that gets hired has a gleaming resume, you know, other than Kevin Towers when he got hired by the Diamondbacks. But, uh, you know, everyone's got that hope, but we haven't seen any. He hasn't done anything yet. You know, he called Liriano up, and what else did he do so far? So, you know, I'm going to give him this off season. I'll give him a couple off seasons, but I'm not ready to just say he was the missing piece. Hey, and one little off topic. So the Dodgers signed uh, Andrew Friedman. Does it make you mad or wish that somehow the Padres had been able to weasel him away? Because the Padres are probably the closest duplicate of the of the Rays as far as like the payroll, uh, you know, the type of, of 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 skills that we would need in our GM. Like, do I you mean, think of any way we could have pulled him pulled him out, traded for no, him, uh, anything? No. no. I don't because teams have tried to do that over the years and they've been rebuffed repeatedly. And I mean, the Dodgers are about as close as you can get to an ideal situation if you wanted to be team president or, or general manager in the sense that it's, it's in baseball terms, it's unlimited finances basically. And the Padres, you know, making a lateral move for Andrew Friedman at that time of his career, going to a place with uh, not stable ownership, not, not a stable front office. I don't think there was a way that the Padres could have done that um, without giving up really substantial, you know, assets in, in, in return. I'm also not convinced that he, you know, I think it's a big jump. I, I remember when, when he got signed by the Dodgers, Twitter went on fire. Uh, pretty much everyone's ready to fold the NL West for, forever uh, to the Dodgers. You know, he shows a certain skill set with small budgets. I, I do think it's a different skill set to win with a large budget, unlimited resources. Um, so, I mean, it remains to be seen. But, um, you know, back to Preller, I, I just think let's, let's give him a little time before we crown him the king, you know? No, I agree. And let's go back to the Rays, though. I mean, right now their farm system is pretty horrible, if, if you look at it. Um, you know, most places rank them in the 20s as far as farm system. I mean, as far back as 27th, 28th. So, and honestly, they've missed on a whole bunch of top picks. So, well, they're also graduate. You know, they graduated a lot of players to the majors. Oh no, of course. Yeah, their major league roster is largely comprised. You know, look at their rotation. They've got a lot of guys they've drafted and developed. That. Yeah, I think part of my thing here is is Friedman maybe a one trick pony on a couple top guys like David Price. Uh, and Longoria, for example, um, but ultimately is no better than your average general manager. He just happened to get the ones right at the beginning of his career. I mean, it's an honest question, especially when you look across industries. If you go look at things like movies and stock market picking, a lot of the people that do well at the very beginning get a reputation, but then can't duplicate their success. not predictable. Right. So I'm, you know, I, I think Freeman is far better than Coletti, probably, but I'm not willing to completely fold up shop basically, um, especially when you look at something like the Giants, um, when they've got a guy like Brian Sabian, who most baseball statisticians don't like, and he's probably going to get his third World Series ring this year. So I, there's just so much randomness in baseball results that I'm not willing to completely give up, uh, provided the Padres, of course, are willing to spend a little bit more money than normal, uh, be a little bit more brazen in their moves. I, I'm not willing to consider the division's over forever. So speaking of, of, the, of the Padres signing, you know, spending a little money, um, you know, obviously one of the big topics that has been going around the uh, Padres Twitter sphere, blogosphere, has been uh, Cuban Cuban uh, outfielder, Yasmani Tomas. Uh, 
you pointed out that the Padres, Corey Brock has not mentioned him at all. Um, but there seems to be a little fire, you know, a little smoke where uh, Preller and the, the brass have been watching him, having some private workouts. Um, obviously, Preller's specialty is international scouting, international signings. Um, I mean, is this the guy? Is this the guy we need to be going after? Because we've talked on the podcast before. The, the free agent class this year is lackluster at best. You know, there, there's not too much out there. Right. Um, I'm torn. Uh and, and here's the thing, you know, we don't know anything about him, so it's so difficult for anyone to make any sort of educated judgment about whether or not he's worth the money he's going to get. But from a theoretical standpoint, this is exactly what the Padres need, right? I mean, they are the worst offensive team in baseball, at least by classical statistical categories. They don't have anyone with any power. Uh, in the article yesterday I wrote about how, you know, most outlets are projecting him to get 25 plus home runs at the major league level, or at least he has that power. The Padres have had four guys at 25 home runs since Petco Park opened. Four. It's extremely embarrassing. And some of those are like one-trick ponies like uh, Khalil Green did it once. Phil Nevin did it in the opening season of Petco Park. Chase Headley in his, you know, his outlier season. Yeah. Other than that, it's been Adrian Gonzalez. And so the Padres need to be looking – they need to be turning over every stone to bring in a 25-plus home run hitter. And they can't do it by bringing in injured old players like Carlos Quentin. That just doesn't work. It's not going to work for them. So, I mean, for as expensive as he seemed, I, I put expensive in quotes because, honestly, in this landscape of baseball, $100 million is not that expensive. And, I mean, it's not like paying Kevin Brown $100 million in 1999. That's a little bit different. So, I think the Padres should be going after him. I think putting him in the lineup, even at such a risk that he is, I mean, at least they're trying to go in the right direction. Uh, I know Padres fans will say, well, can't we spend that money smarter? Uh, my answer is no, they just won't spend that money. That- well, I mean, tell me what's smarter. I mean, look at the free agent class. If someone can point out to me who's a better signing, I'm all for it. But there's I mean, not that much out there. No, there's really not. Especially, there's no one that's 23 in the free agent market. Right. I mean, you can go sign Hanley Ramirez. He's a great player, you, you know. Plays a premium position, but he's also going to be twice as much money as his money Tomas. Injury risk, you know, there's still risks that go with these guys that are in the majors now. In fact, I'm looking looking at the top free agents. Everyone has question marks around them somewhat. You know, the top guys. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, Sandoval's a fatso. Uh, you know, <laughs> Scherzer, I guess, is the only one who is, doesn't have any major question marks. Um, but that doesn't help their offense, really. I mean, right, right, right. I, I mentioned this in the article yesterday, but I mean, signing Scherzer gives you a lot of leeway to trade a guy like Tyson Ross or Andrew Kasher for offense, and and so, in a sense, that could be looked at like signing an offensive player. And if I had to choose one player in the entire free agent market to sign, it would be Max Scherzer because he is the best player out there. Um, so you know, just because they need offense doesn't mean they have to sign the offensive player, although I think they should. Um, yeah. But as far as yeah, no, you're right. You're you're totally right. I don't want Nelson. I mean, I want Nelson Cruz, but if I had a choice between Nelson Cruz and Yasmani Tomas, I'm going to take Tomas. I mean, I want Aramis Ramirez, but he's old and he's injury prone, and he plays, you know, he'll maybe play two or three seasons. So getting someone who's 23 who has upside, rarely do free agents have upside. It's like so rare that that's the case, and it's only the case on guys like Josh Johnson who end up blowing up in your face. So, well, and don't forget. Uh... No giving up on our first-round draft pick with with signing him. So, you know, for a team that that wants to build from, you know, says they want to 
build from the draft from within. Um, that's another plus on that. That's true. Although I think, man, I, I here's the thing: if they sign just Tomas, uh, they are obviously kicking the 2015 season because just signing him is not going to make this team a contender at all. Even if he adds, you know, two or three wins to the team's total, they're still not even 500. So, if well, let's say this: like, what if you fill in? In my in my article where I was you know had a little prognosis on it at least the uh, the offensive positions uh, to, a player that I'm partial to is Mike Morse on the Giants I don't know if he's going to get resigned the Giants tend to do that with players especially when they go to the World Series but I like Mike Morse you plug him in at first base he's better than Alonzo for sure um, or you sign Nelson Cruz which I think MLB trade rumors was projecting out like a three year contract for him there are some you know, there's some bit offensive players that have some, you know, some power that are available. I, I, I don't know that, I don't know that it's mandatory that we trade Tyson Ross for offense. I, I think if you're trying to compete in 2015, it is. I mean, unless you go really wild in the free agent market, I mean, you would have to sign Tomas. You'd have to bring in Aramis Ramirez to play third which I do suggest they do anyways because he's so tailored for Petco Park. Yes. They'd have to sign a first baseman, too, to, to bring them some offense at the, at the other corner. So, I mean, who is that? Is that Nelson Cruz? Is that Adam LaRoche? I don't really like that much. Um, yeah, LaRoche isn't – he's not terrible. He's yeah. better than what we have. He's an upgrade, but – True, and and I do want to point out some guys with A.J. Peller connections right here. So Alex Rios is a free agent. He could potentially be brought in at a corner outfielder. Uh, position, maybe even first base, although he hasn't really played it. <laughs> Adrian Beltre could be available by, via trade. We do need a third baseman. He's from Texas where Preller was. Maybe that's another fit. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so there are ways for this team to get better. It's just a question of are they actually going to try to compete in 2015? And if they do try to compete in 2015, they need to be really active. In my no, no, no. Please don't um, use compete. Compete, compete is the word that the front office will push on us because compete means playing 500. From what I can, from what I've observed right, so, of, of Mike D, that's what he considers playing meaningful games in September is competitive for him, which means for when I somewhere when I say wild card. Okay, when I say compete, no matter what it is, I am always talking about first place. Like that is just the way I've been in my entire life. Whether that's academically competing for first place uh, or in you know, Uno competing for first place when I play Uno with my family or in a, in baseball. Compete means try to win the World Series. So okay. Let's, let's lay out the terminology here when I'm speaking. But, yeah, I agree with you. I don't mean compete in Padre speak. I mean actually compete for a World Series title. Well, I, I think it's doable. I, I, I liked your art. I loved your article, actually, yesterday. But I uh... – I personally don't think that's what the Padres are going for next year. <laughs> I, I don't I, either. No, I, I mean, I say that as much in the article. I, towards the end, I say there's no way in hell this is going to happen. But if they were actually trying to win the World Series in 2015, this is like a coherent plan to try to do that. Right. I mean, I don't think that team would be the favorite in the NL West necessarily. But I do think, realistically, if that team stayed healthy, and that's always a caveat, but, if I mean, if that team didn't suffer catastrophic injuries, I think that team could compete for a World Series title. Oh, certainly. I mean, I, this isn't what you're talking about. This isn't what you're going after. But at the very least, that's a solid wild card contender. That's a, that's a playoff contending team. Right. 
It's not a team yeah, action. You know, class, it's a giant but... show, you know. Part of half the game is getting in the playoffs. If you can get in the playoffs, you know, it's same with the Royals. You know, you get in and things can go crazy from there. Yeah. Okay, so let's put some odds on these things because I mean, I'm so pe- pessimistic based on the Padres' history with signing free agents. I mean, let's let's not forget the largest amount they spent on a new player in free agency was the amount they spent last year on Joaquin Benoit, which is still, it's absolutely pathetic that that's true. Um, so let's put some odds on us actually believing they're going to sign some of these top what, players. What was his total deal? Is it it's bigger than O-Dogs? It was bigger than O-Dogs. I think okay. the total deal for Benoit was something, I want to say around 17 and a half or $18 million, something okay. like that. Um, I think there's a buyout maybe or an option that I, I, I don't entirely recall the total value, but it was less than $20 million. Um, the actual, am, I, am I correct in that Chanho Park is still the highest single season salary that we've paid? I think he got sixteen million, sixteen million. Did they really pay that whole thing in that Nevin deal? Yeah, really? yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't kept track of that. I, I do know that most they ever spent on any free agent deal period was when they brought Brian Giles back. Uh, he technically did hit free agency, and they paid yeah. him like three, three for thirty, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, let's, let's put some odds on it. What do you think the odds are that Yasmani Toma is signed by the Padres? Like the real odds? I think it's thirty-three percent, and that's not actually. Uh, I actually think the Padres are going to go hard after him. Um, I think that they're a PR-oriented organization. That's what happens when you have a marketing guy as the president of the club. Um, I think that Mike D realizes that Preller's an international guy, and this is a chance to make a not uh, catastrophic investment in a player that he can milk for PR for at least a couple years out of this. Um, and it's as low as 33% because I think a lot of people think, uh, okay, well, you just go out and do it. Um, there's not going to be a lot of teams going after him. And I think that when you have a bidding war, it's not always a guarantee that if you try really hard, you're going to get him. So, I do think they're going to try really hard, and I think I, I do think they're going to make a good effort for him. But I'm going to leave it at at 33 percent. All right, I'm I'm going to go two percent, and here's why. Uh, every week, Mike D interviews with Dan Silio, and I give Dan Silio a ton of shit on Twitter for never asking Mike D any tough questions. This week, I actually told Dan Silio on Twitter, "How come you haven't asked him about Yasmani Tomas?" He's, you know, everyone's talking about him. The Potters have, you know, scouted him twice. And Dan Cilio's response was the Potters are not going to sign any big players in free agency, so why ask? And if you listen to the interviews between Mike D and Dan Cilio, those guys are buddy-buddy. I mean, this week they were uh, – Dan Cilio was joking about whether or not the Potters were going to attack Jameis Winston. And, yeah, I can just hear the dogs in the background right now barking at the yeah. prospect of the Potters <laughs> drafting and signing another – uh, football player. But, I mean, the fact that he's not even asking it, the fact he's saying this, and the fact that he's buddy-buddy with Mike D, Corey Brock saying nothing about Tomas other than uh, basically three times saying it's not going to happen, I, I just don't see how it could possibly happen unless, and this is where the 2% comes in, unless every other team is so sour on Tomas that he just happens to drop into a value where Ron Fowler says, fuck it. Because I don't think leadership, I don't think Mike D wants to spend the money on it, um, and I'm not entirely sure the Potters can. Con- well, okay. I'm not entirely sure the Potters are willing to spend what other teams are willing to spend to get them. So uh, I'm not optimistic. I don't think there's any signs there other than the fact that Preller, 
who seems to be all over the globe scouting everyone, scouting Tomas. So I'm not even sure that means anything. Um, but spending $100 million, I mean, let's see them spend $25 million first. Let's see them sign Omar Infante to a $34 million deal like the Royals did a couple years back um, before they start spending $100 million or believing they're going to do it. Um, now, if they do it, of course, I'll be extremely ecstatic. That would be such a huge step in the right direction. Even if he busts, I'll be happy about it. I mean, I'll still fault them for picking the wrong person to spend $100 million on, but it's effort. It's money. It's, you know, it's a risk they have to take. And Padres Public was really good at uh, pointing out that they should just, you know, they have to do something like this. They can't just be an organization that never takes, takes a risk. Well, I mean, at the point that they just sign a couple retread veterans, um, all of the goodwill of signing Preller is gone. Regardless of the performance next season, I think with the fan base, and I do think the team's in a precarious position with the fans where there are people – like long time serious huge fans that are in danger of just abandoning the team. And I, I do think this season is critical and this offseason is critical and I don't think Mike D's very good at his job, but I do think he can at least see that writing on the wall. Um and what you were saying about, you know, usually I'm a fan of where there's smoke, there's fire, and I do believe everything I analyze everything Brock says as being what Mike D has told him to say. Um but I actually think that the team is 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 sandbagging it publicly because they don't they know that it's a bidding war and there's a chance they could lose. I think that they so want that that feeling of a a pleasant surprise that they can announce to the fan base after doing something bigger than usual. Um, and I think that if they were to publicize it now and they were to lose a bidding war, even going after it hard, um, I don't know if there's coming back from that after publicizing it. So I'm not, I think I that they're playing it safe. Publicly. I don't think they're that savvy at all. I just don't think they are. Like, I, I usually wouldn't say so, but when your back's against the wall, which which in some ways I think it is with some of the managers of this team, um, yeah, I think that sometimes you you achieve greater results when 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 things are this bad. Fair enough. Um, I mean. The gap between 33% and 2% is the large gap. Um, the true odds might be somewhere in between those. Uh, but let's just put it this way. I, I think the team isn't savvy enough to keep their lids entirely shut on it. And this is based on, you know, last offseason. I think they had, you know, similar fan perception issues. I think it's worse now, for sure. But they had similar fan perception issues. And they were willing or, or at least able – you know, they had Corey Brock writing articles about the possibility of them signing Joaquin Benoit before they signed him. He was tweeting about it before that happened. He was cryptically tweeting about how they might sign a starting pitcher with upside uh, right before they signed Josh Johnson. So, um, granted, maybe next week Corey Brock sends tweets something about Yosemite know, Toma and then they sign him. You know, that's still not out of the realm of possibilities. But there are no signs there other than, you know, A.J. Preller scouting Yasmani Tomas, and I think we'll learn over the years that A.J. Preller will scout everybody. So I don't think that's actually a meaningful uh, a thing. So, all right, well, let, let's move on. How about let's let's pick out a couple more of the biggest free agent names and just put an odds on them signing any of those guys. So okay. Let's throw Nelson Cruz, the AL leader in home runs this season, on there. Let's throw Max Scherzer into the conversation, Hanley Ramirez, Pablo Sandoval. I think those are, you know, the top guys in free agency this season. You can throw John Lester and James Shields in there if you want to as well. 
Um, what do you think the odds the Padres sign any of those are? Um, I think you can group Lester, Shields, and Scherzer in as one person because, uh, you know, they're the premium pitchers, and it's, we're pretty much talking about the odds of them signing a premium free agent pitcher. Um, I'm going to put it at – I'm going to put the pitcher at uh, 0.3%. <laughs> um, I think the team – Look at it from a PR standpoint. They, the one thing they can point out this season is that their pitching was was very good. Um, I, I just don't see them making that investment in a pitcher. Um, as far as the others, uh, Nelson Cruz, I actually would would like. I, if you're going to roll the dice, I'd rather roll it on a guy with two years of outstanding major league production. Um, I'm going to put him at, I don't know, seven percent. I actually don't know how he plays the field also. Is he DHing or is he playing in the field actually? Is he capable uh, at all? I, well, okay. Remember this. If, if you would have made some plays in the World Series with the Rangers, if he could have just caught a fly ball against the Giants, they would have won that World Series. And so he kind of has already blown a World Series with his awful fielding in right field. I think in general he rates out as below average but not, not like unbelievably horrible. Um, at the same time, it's it's tough because in Texas, uh, all of the outfield fielding stats are kind of warped. I, I'm still not a huge fan of fielding metrics, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. But I think the anecdotal evidence on Cruz is that he's not a good fielding outfielder. Well, beyond that, I think uh, – I'm not sure. The top – I think Hanley Ramirez is pretty much 1%. I think the, the names that you gave, I think, are very low percentages. And that, that's why I think they're going to go hard after Tomas. Yeah, and I, I mean, I can't see them signing Hanley Ramirez. I just don't see how they can compete at that uh, uh, amount. I do think he is actually the best offensive free agent on the market, mainly because uh, he could play shortstop, although he's not very good there. Um, he would be able to play third. He walks a lot. He has power. Um, you know, he's not he's not Alfonso Soriano. I've, I've heard that comparison from Padres fans. He's not because he walks. So he's going to have long-term value even if he loses some power. Um, Pablo Sandoval is probably the most likely out of that list just because he plays third. Padres fans have some familiarity with him. And I think the market might sour on him because of his body type. And so he might come – slightly cheaper than his offensive numbers suggest that he should be paid. Um, but I think the odds of any of those guys getting signed by the Padres, uh, less than 10%. Yeah, yeah. I also think the Giants are going to re-sign Sandoval, especially I do too. if they win the World Series. Um, I so. do too. I, I think the most likely guy for them to sign in free agency yeah. is an old veteran like Aramis Ramirez. Because, well, for, first of all, actually, he might – he might actually be the first one to accept a qualifying offer with the Brewers. Um, I was reading about that on Fangraphs. But he plays a third-base position. The Potters need a third baseman. Uh, he has power from the right side. He never goes opposite field for home runs. Uh, all those things kind of work at Petco. So I, if I had to pick one guy in free agency who's respectable that the Potters might sign, it would be that veteran. All right, let's let's shift bases here. Let's talk about the World Series. Uh, it's going to be the Royals against the Giants. Um, I'm not surprised the Giants are there. I'm pretty surprised the Royals made it. Uh, I think you and I are probably both rooting for Kansas City, as is the entire world besides Giants fans. Uh, what do you think? Who, who do you think is going to win? I mean, the Royals haven't lost in the playoffs yet, um, but 
I think it's uh, it's going to be a repeat of when the Rays made the made the World Series and the country was rooting for them. Um, so I'm going to go with the Giants on this. I think I th- they've got the the playoff experience. They got the World Series experience. Um, I, I just think the Rays aren't. I mean, the, the Royals aren't going to sustain the success through the World Series. Yeah, I, I just flipped a coin and it came out tails. So I'm picking the Giants. Um, no, I think it's a coin flip. It's obviously a coin flip. I don't. It's it's tough. I don't think either one of those teams is great, and I don't see how either one of those teams has an advantage over the other. Uh, it just both of them have solid lineups, top to bottom. Uh, they they move runners over. They do those sort of things. They both have uh, a top pitcher at the top of the rotation. Um, I think the Royals might have a better bullpen than the Giants, uh, and, and maybe that's the difference in the series. Um, I also think Bochy is a slightly better manager than Ned Yost. Uh, it's just, and I, I just, it's it's not like when the Padres met, met the Yankees in 1998, and you're like, well, I have no idea how anyone's going to beat this Yankees team. Right. Um, I think it's actually going to be a good World Series, and I'm excited to see if the Royals can pull it off. Um, you know, I'm I'm rooting for them because I think it's a better story, and I'm also very anti-Giants and anti-San Francisco in general. Uh, but at the same time, if the Royals win the World Series, it's going to be such a long offseason and next five seasons of hearing about how the Padres just need to be the Royals that part of me just wants the Royals to get swept and just to have that entire argument removed. Do you feel that at all? Yeah, I do feel that. Um, but I want to say the, the I see it a lot that people try to make the Padres and the Royals kind of synonymous. They're, they're not synonymous. Um Show me a time when when the Padres signed, you know, it wasn't the greatest signing, but they signed Gil Mitch for what five years, fifty million dollars. Like, can you imagine the Padres having done that any time in the past? Or a lot of people have trouble even imagining it going into this offseason. Um, they've certainly built their team very differently from the Padres. Um, they've got some minor league players that they've developed, but they they've also signed players when needed. Um, they're, they're very different from the Padres, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. a couple of years ago, the Roy, the Padres had what was considered by one outlet to be the best farm system in baseball, but it was based on depth. And the Royals, this offseason before that, had the best, uh, what was known as the best farm system in baseball, and it was being called one of the best farm systems of all time. Yes. They graduated Mike Moustakis. They graduated Eric Hosmer. Neither one of them played well to begin with, but they just kept letting them play. And... This year, Moustakis was either starting on the major league team or sent down the AAA to play. They're, they didn't do something where they call up Reimer Liriano and then they platoon him or something like that, you know? Right. They let their youngsters play. Similarly, they had guys in their walk years who they didn't trade. Uh, Aoki, they didn't trade him. James Shields, they didn't trade him. Uh, Alice Gordon, they gave him an extension, and now they, they didn't trade him. Uh, I mean, granted, they have a team option this offseason, uh, but still, you know, they're keeping on to their top talent now. They used to not do that with Zach Grinke, um, with Carlos Beltran, with, you know, Johnny Damon, Jermaine Dye. I can go on and on and on about how they used to run their team and how they used to not make the playoffs. Uh, and finally, they stuck to their guns. Uh, they signed Omar Infante, a middle infielder. You know, a middling infielder who's going to be at the end of their lineup. They paid him 30-something million dollars. And it's so impossible to consider the Padres doing something like that for a player who's going to be a role player. Right. Such a different philosophy than what the Padres do. 
So I just think the comparison between the two franchises is entirely invalid. The, the only thing you can point at is the fact that their opening day payrolls of 2014 were sort of similar. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're synonymous. Uh, you know, the, the other key thing is um, you can kind of compare the Padres-Adrian Gonzalez trade with how the, the Royals traded Zach Greinke. I mean, at the time, they were both pretty much the franchise players. And the return that the Royals are getting out of what they got for Grinky is light years ahead of what we're getting out of uh, out of what we got for Adrian. Um, and in a lot of ways, that's been a defining move for the, for the franchise. I mean, Lorenzo Cain is is a star now. Um, Alcides Escobar is fantastic. As yeah, well. fantastic. Um, and you look and yeah, we I guess you could say we got Kashner out of it in a roundabout way, but. Um, Man, I mean that that just the results that they're getting, and Dayton Moore got a lot of a lot of negativity during his tenure for some of the moves he's made. But you know, whatever he did is working um, or worked. And I, you know, it's it's funny because I said this at the time when they traded for James Fields. You know, they gave up Will Myers, one of their top prospects, one of the top prospects in baseball, and Jake Odorizzi, who's a very reputable pitching prospect in order to get James Shields and Wade Davis, who, by the way, has been like basically the best reliever in baseball this year. And at the time, they were killing him for giving up all those years of team control right when they had all these young players. And I looked at it and I said, isn't this like when the Padres traded Derek Lee for Kevin Brown? I mean, is that not like a, an accurate comparison there? We traded one of the top prospects in baseball in Derek Lee for one of the best starting pitchers in baseball on a, as a short-term rental in Kevin Brown. And look, we went to the World Series, too. I think there was precedent there, and uh, you know, for as founded as some of the analysis was on, you know, the value basis of having Will Myers for six years under team control versus having James Shields at you know arbitration slash kind of slightly below market value for two seasons. Uh, I understand that comparison, but that's not necessarily the correct comparison, you know. Well, and think back to 1997. You know, the Padres were like around 500, I think, if I remember correctly. Like imagine blogs back back then that are like, uh, man, Derek Lee projects out to be, you know, X number of war per year. Uh, Kevin Brown at most adds four to five additional war. And if you look at their record, that doesn't get them in the playoffs. Like that's the exact analysis that we would all be reading. Yeah. Um, and the blogs would say, you know, look, the Padres – are okay. They're not close to the World Series, and this isn't the time for them to make this move. Like I can totally imagine these these articles. Um, and sometimes you gotta you gotta just go for it. I think. Um, yeah, and like I mean, just to put it bluntly, Dayton Moore pretty much just put his balls on the table with that move and said, "This is I'm I'm going for it." And when was the last time the Padres put their balls on the table and said, "We're going for it"? I don't well, think, I think it, their owner, their owner encouraged him to do that. You know, yeah, the owner, I think it was two years ago at the end of the season. The owner, um, the owner basically said, "Like, look, I'll give you the resources. We'll we fix the pitching, and let's go for it." And I don't think whoever our GM is, um, I don't think they've had that push from the from the ownerships, ownership groups that we've had. Right, and uh, and it's interesting too because the Royals in the early '90s they were the highest spending team in baseball. They were from, I believe, from 1990 to 1991 to 1994. No one spent more money in baseball than the Kansas City Royals, and that's crazy to consider because the Potters have never done anything like that, really. Um, so, I mean, I think 
this I in long term, I think the Royals are going to be towards the top of the league in payroll going forward. I really do. I don't think maybe they won't sign James Shields, but I think the amount of revenue they're going to get from this World Series push and the amount of revenue the Padres would get from a World Series push if they were to do this a similar thing in Petco Park would completely rejuvenate the entire franchise. Yeah, uh, I think so. Also, so that, I think it just takes one season, and you can milk that one season for three, four, five years after that. Yeah, as long as you're not the Rays playing in Tropicana Field. Right. Yeah. That's the asterisk there, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 Or, or the Marlins who are going to completely blow the entire thing up the next. Just don't yeah, be. If, as long as you don't. Yeah. As long as you're not a dick and yeah. dismantle the entire team, you're okay. You've got three years, I think, of goodwill and good ticket sales. Or at least a brand new stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's let's get to the final topic here because it is Saturday. We have other things to do in life. Um, Josh Burns is rumored to be going to Los Angeles. Uh, I found this completely hilarious. Um, I don't know how, what it is about working for the Padres and then suddenly getting a better position somewhere else. Uh, do you have any comments on this? Because I know you were kind of a closet Josh Burns fan. Yeah, when he was fired, I uh, thought it was not necessarily the correct move. Um, I think Burns didn't do that terribly. I don't think his moves were that bad. Um, I don't think he was given the resources. And I actually believe ownership at some point had promised him more resources, judging from his interviews and reactions. Um, I I just think he did the best with what he was given. Um, If you've got a bottom third payroll, uh, you know, it takes a lot of luck. And sometimes the luck just doesn't happen. Um, I, I, I think that, Obviously, the team hasn't been getting better. Um, you know, they're they're mediocre and they stay at that level, that mediocre level. But uh, I don't think Burns is that bad. I think he's got an eye for talent, and I think he was reasonably creative on some of the moves, and they they just didn't work out. Yeah, and, I mean, the Latos deal blew up in in his face. Uh, it although, did, but at the time, I thought that was a great move. <laughs> I thought it was creative. Um, I thought it, on paper it was a good move at the time. And it still could end up working out, depending on how how uh, Yasmani Grandal pans out. But I mean, ultimately, they paid a lot of extra money by paying uh, Edinson Volquez for two years. Um, they gave up the best player in that trade, uh, and they ultimately that pushed them, or at least pushed Burns to trade Anthony Rizzo. So, I mean, the chain reaction of the trade itself was awful. Uh, and yeah, I think when you start including the Rizzo for Kashner trade as part of it, yeah, yeah, it's worse. But um... yeah, but. But, yeah, I mean, I think from a trading standpoint, I think he has the capability to swindle other general managers, and that is a very valuable skill set. I mean, if you look just You pointed out in your article yesterday, though, that can only take you so far. You can only swindle exactly. so much and so many times. Exactly. So as good as he was at getting Tyson Ross um, for, you know, nothing, essentially, uh, getting Jesse Hahn for, uh, you know, basically Brad Boxberger, who's, you know, not worthless, but, I mean, I'd definitely rather have Jesse Hahn there. Uh, he got Alex Dickerson for guys who was basically going to cut off the 40-man last year. These are, you know, very undervalued trades, and I think actually he might have done a better job as Potter's general manager than Jed Hoyer. And I know a lot of Potter's fans don't like hearing that, but Jed Hoyer didn't do that great of a job. But I do think Josh Burns was not the right person for a limited budget. And I think in Los Angeles, given the ability to basically sign whoever he wants in free agency and then supplement that through, uh, you know, these – under the table, valuable deal, deals where he's picking up uh, treasure for trash. I think he has the possibility to flourish in Los Angeles. Um, and I didn't like hearing that he was going to go there, uh, namely because I, 
I thought his failures in San Diego, because I do think he failed here, warranted him having to work his way back up to the general manager position. So I, I just hate him, hate seeing someone getting rewarded for uh, not doing a great job. Um, but I do think he does have the skill set to succeed there. So uh, it was a mixed bag. Yeah, I, I thought I, would... I actually kind of feel the same about Kevin Towers. Like, I certainly don't like him as our general manager, but I, I see value that Towers brings as an advisor. And in that role, I think Towers provides something to the front office. And I, I feel the same about Burns. I think that they've shown skills at certain scouting areas and trades. And, you know, they've got an eye for talent. It's just you don't want them running the team necessarily. Right. Uh, it's a gunslinger mentality. I think – for as much as we want to criticize gunslinging and, you know, making these brazen trades, you know, ultimately you have to go for it. And if you're not given payroll, that's your only option. Yeah. And, and, you know, ultimately Kevin, uh, Kevin Towers acquiring Greg Vaughn, acquiring uh, Kevin Brown, you know, those were quote unquote classic Kevin Towers gunslinging moves. And that took us to the world series. You look at Dayton Moore, he got honestly acquiring James Shields like that gunslinging, you know, you look at the it Giants. Doesn't work all the time, you know, but when it works, yeah, exactly. Some of the moves Brian Saban has made, bringing in Hunter Pence, the Carlos Beltran deal. Now, granted, that one didn't work out, but I mean, the, the philosophy of potentially making uh, a negative value trade that uh, you know brings you more stuff in your years where you're competing—that that gunslinging mentality, your general manager has to have that. And um, I'm optimistic that AJ Preller might have that. Uh, I know that Josh Burns did not have that. So, um, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I don't, yeah, Kevin yeah. I don't want him to – I want him far away from the Padres, though, still. Yeah, yeah I know there's mixed opinions on him. Um, Towers made some great trades, and he certainly was good at assembling a bullpen. If he was brought here in an advisory role, I, I, from judging Preller's personality so far – I don't really think he'd be unduly influenced by Towers, but I think Towers provides some valuable scouting insight. Um, so for me, if you were to bring him back, I know he brings back a lot of bad memories, but um, I, I'm not opposed to it. I, I would actually clap for it, I think. I mean, the more the more eyes for talent that the team, the more scouts the team employs and, the, the, and devotes resources to that area, I think the better. Um, and I know his name, Aim, you know, is unpopular, but I think he adds value to the team in that role. Yeah, and and one more thing, actually, uh, before we get on, uh, before we finish this podcast. Uh, yesterday, the Padres announced uh, a couple moves in the scouting department. Speaking of scouting, um, Randy Smith has basically moved to an advisory role, taking out of his uh, uh, his current role, and a couple of other lower level. Um, people in the scouting and development department were let go, basically, or, or weren't going to be brought back, um, uh, along with some some other fielding developmental guys. And, and I, I don't know the exact positions, but um, do you have any comment on that? Uh, I mean, it was to be expected. Um, you know, new guy comes in, he wants his own people there. Um, I think uh, in the in the area of development, you know, certainly the Padres haven't excelled at it. For having such a highly rated farm system in the past few years, there hasn't been that much fruit being born in the in the majors. Um, so obviously, you're gonna you know not reward failure and hire uh, your own people. 
Um, the people that were fired, I don't think were holding very critical positions. Um, you know, there's still a lot of high ups from the Burns regime that are still here. Um, and I'm actually more surprised that those guys are here still. Um, you know, Omar Minaya is still sitting in a desk. Um, uh, who's the guy? Uh, Padres Public interviewed him. Uh, Josh Stein. Yeah. Yeah. Still, you know, still holding power with the team. Um, and maybe, maybe, you know, I don't have a high opinion of Minaya personally, but um, I'm, I'm way more surprised that those guys, those VP level people are still employed um, than I am that he fired these lower level development personnel. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that maybe it takes a little bit longer to fill the higher up positions. Uh, I also think he's waiting out the hiring freeze that Texas imposed because um, I, I do think he's going to end up poaching some people out of the Texas system. Yeah, especially if he's not familiar with everyone in baseball, it might take him time to you know uh, research other VPs, you know, in other positions on other teams and figure out who he can take if he's that restricted uh, with guys from Texas. So uh, I'm not surprised it's taking a while to fill those uh, more critical roles. I do hope they keep Josh Stein, though. I've heard a lot of positive things about him uh, from people in the industry that I trust. Um, but, yeah, Manaya, he can go. The entire scouting department, in my opinion. Like, honestly, if you were to tell me they were going to keep the entire scouting department or can the entire scouting department, I would be totally fine canning this entire scouting department. And yeah, just starting over. I mean, he kept Randy Smith. He moved, I'm not sure the logic of keeping Randy Smith in that position, other than that you don't think you can fill that spot with someone better right now. Um, and Randy Smith played it cool and said, you know, I welcome this new, you know, this new challenge, but I don't think that it's, I, I think it was a demotion for him. Um, Speaking of which, I want to start using that, that, uh, that line every season. Like, I welcome this new challenge of watching this Padres baseball team this season. Yeah. Let's, use, let's use that circa March or so. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, if free agency's over, we'll accept the challenge of watching this offense. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 33% chance on Tomas. I mean, that's what I'm going with. So I'm, I'm going into this offseason with a little optimism. Certainly yeah. more optimism than I did last year. Yeah, I, I think I'm going into the offseason with slightly more optimism based on Joaquin Benoit last year. Um, but then again, I, I just think back to the Bud Selig Plaza, to the fact that they haven't gone to brown uniforms. Um, there's yeah. just so much. Although, although I was told by a, a prominent Padres blogger that it was looking like it would be impossible for next year to be brown. Um, so I think we can scratch that off for 2015. No, I... I I know that uh, yeah. the deadline passed for that. I've, I've heard that as well. Um, Although really all the fans need is for the team to say, we're trying, we're going through the motions to get to Brown. Yes. Just say we're going to be Brown at some point. We're trying time. for it. Like that would satisfy everyone. Yeah. I'd be so, Oh man, I'd be so happy. So happy. And it's stupid because it means nothing on the field, but it's, it's that symbolic break from the entire past and going back to your roots and basically starting over as a new franchise. That's what it was symbol to me. Um, uh, plus, it just was way cooler. Instead of being the Milwaukee Brewers of San Diego, they would be their own team again. I mean, no one yeah. is brown in sports, really. Well, for- look, if they stay blue and they uh, you know, sign a few great players and we win next year, uh, you know, that buys them some time on the uniform thing. It's just when they keep losing, it's going to stay a, a, an issue on the forefront. So 
you know, let's see how the offseason goes. And I think the reaction, you know, the reaction on the uniform is going to be dependent on how they do this offseason, I think, from the front office. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's let's let's wrap this one up. Um, do you think anything significant happens uh, in the next week? I mean, Tomas said that he wanted to sign before the end of the World Series because that's when everyone else uh, reaches a free agent market. Do you think that's going to happen? Um, no. No, I don't think Seeley will allow that to happen. Okay. I think he's got back channels. I'm sure he's telling the teams, like, do not announce anything. There will be no signing of him before the World Series ends. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, I don't think he'll sign either before the end of the World Series. Uh, and, um, yeah, let's try to meet again before uh, free agency actually starts. Yeah, after- what is that, two weeks? Something like that. Let's let's wait till after the World Series and right before free agency starts, and we'll, we'll get one more in. Yeah, sounds good. All right, until next time, go Padres, I guess. Yeah, go Padres. And, and Royals. Yeah, yeah.